I always consider myself as quite independent, or like at least I'm okay to live by myself or something. But that first week I was in Berlin, it was really difficult. It was really hard. <laughs> This is the Expat Horror Stories podcast, where we talk about what it's really like to uproot your life and move to a new country. I'm your host, Kat Rickman, a writer, editor, recovering Jersey girl, and two-time expat. My guest this week is Vanny Chow, who moved to Berlin, Germany from Taiwan. Vanny asked to be described as someone who has survived shit Berlin landlords, shit Berlin employers, and shit Berlin men, but is now hopefully settling. In this episode, Vanny and I talk about getting bullied by the German police, how you can judge a city's stability using IKEA, and how the work-life balance compares between Germany and Taiwan. Vanny opened up and got really personal about how Taiwan's highly demanding work culture influenced her move to Europe, and how she approached looking for work in Germany. Many people around the world, Americans included, fantasize about Europe's famously generous employment benefits probably because we unfortunately see things like universal health care and PTO as great perks instead of the basic human rights they should be. German employees are entitled to at least 20 paid days off per year and six weeks of sick leave. The average work week is 36 to 40 hours, and it is nearly impossible for employers to require their employees to work on Sundays under German law. The same can't be said for the U.S., Nor can it be said for many East Asian countries, where the work culture requires a lot of its employees, and there are often few protections in place for workers. The one downside of working in Germany is that, well, you have to get the job first to unlock these great benefits. Which, it's mildly reassuring to learn, is just as hard in Berlin as it is in New York City. Hello! (laughs) So, Vanny, where are you from, and how long have you been in Berlin? I am originally from Taiwan, and I have like officially moved to Berlin for one and a half year until now. But um, before like officially moving here, I was here like two or three summer for summer school, like German school and stuff. So that's one of the reasons that I wanted to move here. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about that, about when you were doing an exchange program. What was that like? So background story is that I was an exchange student in Germany when I was 16. That's basically how my story with Germany started. Um, but it was it started like quite random because it, it was only because like in my high school, there were two exchange students from the US uh, from Rotary. And I saw this and I thought, okay, cool. So I told my mom, uh, I apply for these brochures online and read about it and thought, okay, um, this is not us. Like my family is not rich or something. It's not, my family is not some family that, you know, send their kids abroad. So I just threw them aside. Uh, so somehow my mom saw it and um, like arranged an appointment with me with the agent. And I also, uh, I went to the agent, like did an interview, also did like a small English test. 
And after the test, they told my parents that well, her English is not bad. You know, like she might learn more in Germany because she's they get to learn a new different language, blah. Uh, back then, I um learned a bit French, so I also asked them if if it's possible that I go to France instead of Germany because I that there's nothing I know about Germany back then. It was like when I was sixteen, like like you only know. Beer and Schweinhaxe. That's everything we know about Germany and Asia. <laughs> so we, I was like, okay, maybe I can go to France. And then the the agent kind of threatened me. He was like, no, you know, like pe like French. They never speak. Uh, they never speak English. They like literally speak zero English. So if you are going to France, you're going to have like a really difficult half year at least. Um, blah. And I was like, okay, ah. I think I told you about this. Like these sentence that he kind of convinced me that I thought, okay, this is doable. Is he said, well, German is actually not as as difficult to learn as you thought. You know, <laughs> for example, good morning in German is guten Morgen, and well, I guess later on I found out that that was like the only thing that sounds alike. <laughs> But, <laughs> Well, I kind I like I think this like the beginning of the story. It was like a total scam, and later uh -huh. I also found out that they kind of recommended Germany, um, only because like the German government was really you know supportive on these exchange programs, so they were also good. So I don't I don't want to say that it's scam, <laughs> and I don't know if they actually get money or something, but I know that there is some benefit. So, well, but oh, I'm so also there's really some benefits. Grateful. There's some benefits to Germany if you do an exchange program there. I think it's for the agent, like some benefit from uh, German okay. government to the agent. So the, the agent gets a benefit. Yeah, I have to say, yeah, I'm grateful. <laughs> so, but still. <laughs> but so originally, you took an English test for this. Was this for trying to go to Germany, or was this for like a general trying to go abroad situation? The English test was like in general, like before you. I think default you go to the U.S., but they do an English test just to want to know if you are qualified enough. Like you can't go to U.S. without speaking English, but you can come to Germany without speaking German. Okay, I don't know why, mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, like I did an English test that was like in, I think it was like in general for everyone. So, what was it like living in Germany at sixteen? That year I was in. Well, I always tell people it's Hanover, because that's like basically the only town in the next hundred kilometers that people might have heard of. Uh -huh. uh, but it's actually like with train. I would say it's like around forty minutes from Hanover. If you're driving, then it's like two hours. Mm -hmm. It's like a super well. Like how do you say it? was train forty minutes plus someone pick you up from the train station driving to our town, it's like thirty minutes, um. So it's a little town called Stolzenau. It's super cute. I was probably like there was a Vietnamese family there. They run a Chinese restaurant, as every Chinese restaurant in Germany. <laughs> Sorry. Every Chinese restaurant in Germany is run by Vietnamese. Ah, uh, you know, I think that's true. Or you see a lot of places that are kind of like it's sort of like Pan Asian, where they're like, we've got sushi and curry and exactly, you know, Sichuan noodles. You're like, what is this? 
sushi, curry, and cocktail. <laughs> so yeah, um, so the that uh, Vietnamese family, I think they are like the the kids are the third generations already. So, uh, but other than that. I was probably like the first Asian most of the people there have ever seen, but it's not like in a bad way because everyone in that town is like super nice to me. I think uh, that's also the part that I was being really lucky, so I didn't experience a lot of like difficulties that year because my whole family was super supportive and. Also, at first, I didn't really speak German, so they also talk to me sometimes in English, and they help me learn German, and they like drive me half an hour to German classes and stuff. So they're really, they were really supportive. So for that year, I was like, you know, like a really well treated foreign guest. I would say they uh-huh. took me everywhere. Like every weekend, we planned some short trips and stuff. So that year was really, really good. That was also.、Um, Like the reason that I continue my German language and cultural bachelor after I go back to I went back to Taiwan. Oh, in undergrad you studied German culture and language. Exactly.、Um, ah, okay. That, <laughs> that's a very weird choice in Taiwan for Taiwanese, I would say, because it's like basically guaranteed that you will have no job after you graduate. <laughs> But um, uh. Be only because my whole family were super nice, but、uh, the grandma and grandpa they don't speak English at all. So my German was like okay to communicate at the end of that exchange year, but um still like, I wouldn't want this to just end, you know. Like I、mm-hmm. I thought like well I'm also interested in cultural and this will be a really cool opportunity and. My math is really bad, so in Taiwan, if your math is bad, basically you also don't have a lot of options besides language. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> well, but still, like you know, considering everything, um, like I choose um German language and culture as my undergrad. How did that affect your decision to come back to Germany for your masters?、Uh, um, yeah, and、um, that's another scam. I would say <laughs> no, um. <laughs> Well, because you know, when you're in college, like my parents are also like very non-Asian parents. They're also very supportive. Um, also like one of the lucky stuffs I have is that my dad works for an airline company, so I get these like cheaper tickets, flight tickets. So wherever I go, most of the time I end up either visiting my host family or then, you know, just um. Traveling around Germany again, or sometimes I come with, for example, my sister, and then I show her around Germany once again.、Mm-hmm. Um, so Berlin was a place that I always really like. So there was two times that I had this opportunity to take some, you know, German language courses, like summer courses. I chose Berlin, and I always come either with my sister or with my friend, and it's always in summer, and everybody knows that. Summer in Berlin is the best. So it's like every time I come here, it's like the happiest two months of my whole life. You know,、Ugh. like it's not exaggerating. So you know, like 
Well, back then we stay in the Airbnb or something like you don't have the pressure to find a house. Most of the bill is paid already, and like what you do is just like go to school in the morning and in the afternoon just explore the city with friends, and it's like it's just too good. So after I moved back to Berlin last year, um, I landed in Berlin fourth of October, which is. Uh, for German, it's the beginning of autumn, but for someone from an Asian island, it's <laughs> fucking winter. <laughs> and it's like, you know how excited I was? Like, I love the city every time I come here. It's only good thing. Like, I love it. I was so excited that I'm finally moving here. And I landed and it was cold and I know no one here. And... <laughs> Yeah, so the first two weeks, it was really it was really hard for me. Oh, wow. Yeah, the first time that I visited Berlin was in the summer. And I was like, it was June. And I was like, oh, this is so much fun. You know, the sun doesn't set until like 11 p.m. And then it exactly. rises again at 4 a.m. It was just light all the time. Everyone was outside. And when I moved there, it was September, <laughs> and in September, it was already winter. I showed up and I was like, this is winter. Like, I, I, when I left New York, it was like 90 degrees Fahrenheit. When I got to Berlin, it was 50 degrees. And I was like, <laughs> what happened? Where am I? What happened to this place? Yeah, and I was like, I have been backpacking or something since I was 16, right? Because that was the opportunity that I explore Europe. So I always consider myself as quite independent or like at least I'm okay to live by myself or something. But the first week I was in Berlin, it was really difficult. It was really hard. And um, like I was literally crying in my room every day. And when I go to the supermarket, I choose like the six eggs instead of the 10 pack, then 10 egg pack, because I always have this idea, like maybe tomorrow I'll made up my mind to go home. <laughs> like the first two weeks was really, really hard for me. But then, I mean, I met you guys and it started to get better and I ordered some vitamin D. <laughs> yeah, it'll pass, you know. For whoever is suffering now, like you can make it. <laughs> if I can, then you all does, can. Do we think the vitamin D actually does anything? Germans are so obsessed with vitamin D. And I'm like, does the German government get a kickback for all the vitamin D that they push on us? Anytime you're sad, they're like, have you taken your vitamin D? I'm like, I don't think that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I I have to say that, I mean, I can't really say if it's working or not, but... I think deep down, you know, that you have to believe that it's working, you know, like, I'm just like, well, like, I just finished my jar today. And like, I know for now, I, I don't really have to order a new one for it because it's spring finally. But um, like, if I finish this jar, like, you know, two months ago or something, do you want to risk having the same feeling again? Or like, hating this fucking place even more? Or just pay 20 euro and, you know, make yourself feel better. I guess, like, you know, it's quite clear. Like, you don't know if it's work, but let's just believe that it worked. I mean, for me, at least until now, the psychology uh -huh. part works good. Like, yeah, 
I'm taking vitamin D. So like when when people ask you if you're taking vitamin D, you say yes, I am, and you feel、mm. like you belong to the club, and you feel better. So let's talk a little bit about dating in Germany and dating in Berlin. <laughs> I have to say that、um, I was thinking about this today because you mentioned yesterday you want to ask about my dating experience. Well, since I'm <laughs> luckily in a relationship now, like I guess I um like I can tell you some of them until、oh, of like、course. a certain time. Yeah, you don't have to say. <laughs> Is that okay? You don't have to like trash talk your boyfriend. That's not what I'm asking for. <laughs> Well, you can also ask like about him, but let's just not mention his name. I think it will like ma-、yeah. make him feel less stressed if I talk about him、mm-hmm. or tell him about this. But so、later. you have a you have a German boyfriend, an unnamed German boyfriend. Was this the first German person you dated? No, I believe. I hope none of my relatives will、um, <laughs> listen to this. Uh, well, I won't tell them. So but, you know, you don't have to tell them. I talk, <laughs> I talk about too much about my background, so everyone will know it's me now. But yeah, it's okay. Um, when I first got here, I actually dated like around ish for a while, and so this unnamed、uh, boyfriend is not the first German guy that I dated. But are we? I mean,、uh, can you like also? How do you say? Like, should we make it clear about the definition? Like, if by dating, are we saying like, yeah, we're seeing each other, or it's just like, yeah, we saw each other two times, that kind of thing. So I think that that's an interesting question because I think that that the answer to that question really depends on where you are in the world. Like when I was living in France, they were like, if we have gone on one date, the assumption is like. We are dating, like we are、mm-hmm. approaching this with the intention that we will continue to see each other and that we will be like boyfriend and girlfriend. Whereas in the U.S., there's like all of these different steps of like,、okay. oh, like we're talking and then we're like exclusive and then we're like dating and then we're like boyfriend girlfriend. So I'm curious about your experience in Germany and if you noticed sort of how. <laughs> Relationships usually pan out, like how people approach dating, compared to what you were used to back home. I think that was quite a culture shock for me. I mean, well, we can also like start with back home. I guess I didn't like. I had a boyfriend when I was in Taiwan, but he wasn't in Taiwan, and he was in Taiwanese. So I really don't have a lot of experience with、um, Taiwanese boys, but from what I've heard, that people are quite serious about this. You know, I I guess it's also like France. Like, well, if we are seeing each other, it's quite it's like it's auto- automatically assumed that you、mm-hmm. are not seeing anyone else. But whereas in Germany, or if we're being more specific in Berlin, I don't feel like it's that way. I think there's a say that in Germany, you don't really have like a definition for your relationship. Like people have told me that you know, like when、uh, in Germany when people are seeing each other after a while, you are kind of automatically boyfriend and girlfriend. Like there's no such thing. Like for example in Asia or at least Taiwan, it's quite important that the guy usually be like,、mm. "Well, you be my girlfriend." 
like like a confirmation thing. But people have been telling me that in Germany is not like that. But also, I feel like in Berlin, it doesn't apply to Berlin because in Berlin, I feel like people, some people, are kind of <laughs> taking advantage on this. Like if you don't, if you're not being really clear, like. What are we now? Like, are you seeing anyone else? I am not. Are you? Or are we expecting that no, none of us is seeing anyone else? Like, if you are not, you know, it's like a legal contract or something. You have to list everything. Like, we're not seeing anyone else. Also, none of us is sleeping with anyone else, or none of us is sex texting anyone else. Like, I, I feel like you have to be super, super, super clear. Or else, some of the people who is taking advantage on this will always be like, "Yeah, you know, I Ugh. thought that we're just having fun, or like, well, we never said that we're exclusive. That kind of thing. Like, like I've heard that people seeing each other for months, and one day, like the girl assumed that they're together already, and the guy was like, oh "Well, I thought we're just having fun." See, this is one of those things. Like, I'm used to that in the U.S. Like, especially living in New York. I'm used to people operating like that, and then when I went to Berlin and I was dating there, I kind mm-hmm. of felt like the same way. Of, oh my god, you know, it's a city full of fuckboys, and there's this same exactly. idea of, Sorry. you know, there's always a potential better thing. Yeah, I also heard it from like my boyfriend also mentioned that when we first met, he he told me something very similar. He says that. He felt like in Berlin, nobody wants to settle down because everyone is coming, going constantly, coming and going. So you always feel like you、mm-hmm. can find someone better. Like you can keep keep this person who you are seeing for now. Like it's not bad. Like well, if I don't find anyone better, I guess it's okay. But. Some of the people, or most of the people here, I feel like they are, they always still have their eyes open. Is that how you say?、It? Like,、uh-huh. yeah, they're still paying attention on what's yeah, going what on. Yeah, I know. Oh, that's so frustrating. But it is such an interesting phenomenon, especially with, as you said, in Berlin, people really do come and go very quickly. I've met a lot of people when I was there who. I asked them, "Oh, you know, how long are you in Berlin for?" And they would say, "Oh, until I get bored, I guess." There's so many people who just come for short periods of time and then、yeah. leave, like three months, and then they're gone. I also read something very interesting. It says that you can really tell how unstable a city is, judging by like how well stocked the IKEA is. Because in Berlin, IKEA is always empty. Like I don't even know why they build such a big house. Because the shelves are always empty. Like everyone moves to Berlin, get a Kallax <laughs> or a Billy, you know, and after two months, throw it on the street. Either leave this, leave the city for good, or move、mm. to another subland or something. Like IKEA is always empty. Like I can tell you something that I was here for one and a half year, and I'm like. A huge fan of IKEA, and there there was IKEA like one kilometer from my house. So sometimes when it's in winter, I needed somewhere to take a walk. I go after dinner, and my bed was one sixty times two hundred. I think it's like one of the most common size in Berlin because everyone also goes to IKEA and get this like queen size bed. So I just wanted to have a fitted sheet for my mattress, 
and the first day I was here because I needed one, so I got like a 180 times 200. And ever since that day, I wanted to find a perfect fitted one, like 160 times 200. So basically I go to IKEA like every week or every second week and every time I go and check if they have 160 oh times God. 200, never, <laughs> like never. That's so fascinating. Crazy. I never thought about using IKEA mm. as a barometer for a city's stability, but I'm pretty sure there's something to that. That seems that seems really legit. Yeah. I, I, I read about this and I was like, yeah, that, that really makes sense. So have you noticed any big cultural differences dating a German for a year? Is there anything that you've come across in your relationship or in previous relationships with Germans that has made you really sort of have to adapt? Mm, before, so before this boyfriend, I also was seeing another German guy for half a year. And that was one of the examples that I thought there was something until he oh. was like, uh, no. <laughs> but I think... Hmm, let me think. I have to say, I feel like they quite... I don't know about, you know, like the Western world, like for US or something, but as an Asian or like from someone from the Chinese world, no matter if they are fuckboys or not, I like that they are really direct. Sometimes a little... Like, did I say I like that they're direct? <laughs> well, not really. Like... I like that they're direct when <laughs> they tell you good things, you know, like you look really good in this dress or I like mm -hmm. you because something, but also they can be yeah. brutally direct. Like you are not a wife material. Oh my God. Did someone say that to you? Yeah. And he, there was this guy, like the, the guy that I um, saw for six months and I thought we were something and he was like, so he didn't actually says that we we were having fun. He was just like, well, we never said that we were something. And, well, I want to find someone to settle down. But obviously, you're not a wife material. But, I mean, you tell me. You know me so well. Like, everyone I know says that I'm a wife material. Like, I... Like, it's not material. Like, I'm made to be well, whatever. Like, I'm this... I am so baffled that anyone would ever say that to you because you are, like... Like, you're the kind of person I'm like, she needs to get wifed up. Like, <laughs> Vanny's that girl. You know, she's on yeah, his shit. I mean, when I was when I was a kid, all I want to be when I grow up, it's a housewife. Like, I, I love to take care of the house and cook my family or stuff, you know? Like, I'm very pissed that he said I'm a wife material. Do, do you still want to be yeah. a housewife? Is that still what you want to be when you grow up? Um. Well, now... You're allowed to say yes. I'm just curious. No, no. But it's not... It's a bit complicated now. Like, um, still, yeah, for sure. But I think after so many dramatic dating experience with... Especially here, I don't want to be... 100% fully dependent on someone else mm. anymore, you know? Like, for example, if you get a German higher education degree, if you do your undergrad or your master's here, you can get a permanent residence after you graduate and after you start working. If you pay, like, the social security tax stuff for two years, you're entitled to apply for the permanent residence. 
And then after, I think, three years, if I'm not mistaken, you're entitled to apply for like a German citizenship. But if you're married to a German, I think after three years, you can choose between permanent residence or passport. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of the friends here or like especially when girls talking about their dating life in Germany, like sometimes we joke about, yeah, like, you know, passport hunting or whatever, <laughs> like the potential of mm-hmm. getting a passport through a partner. But I think after like some last year dating around with Germans or something, you don't, you really don't want to, I think especially in Berlin, like everyone is so unstable or emotionally <laughs> incapable like you really don't want to put this on their hand you know like now I'm just like I would go to work and like <laughs> earn myself my PR and I, I don't want to put this on some guys that I don't know what will happen and if one day this guy decide to leave me and my potential PR or passport will also leave me like I think that's too not recommended <laughs> so Berlin has crushed your dreams of being a housewife because you don't trust any of these motherfuckers <laughs> yeah like now I really think that like I have to have my own income oh lame but also <laughs> I have to say one of the good thing is that, well, maybe we can talk about this later if we're not bitching about Germany anymore. Like mm-hmm. the good thing about here is that you you get to be a housewife while having your job, you know, like the work-life balance here, I have to say it's it's quite good. But yes, I don't think I can be a 100% housewife taking like husband's money um, now anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So tell me a little bit more about your feelings about the work-life balance in Germany compared to where you're from. Ah, uh, <laughs> well, that's um, a big topic. Um, where I'm from, um, there's no labor, right? I mean, we have a law, but, uh, well, it's there. And um, do people read it? I don't want to be too you know, super critical because sometimes I also feel bad like, well, I come here because I also, you know, am really lucky that my parents were very supportive. So it's not like I am so good that I get to stay here. Like a a huge part, I think it's pure luck. So I don't want to be like, well, yeah, you know, people there, like they they don't have Mm -hmm. a life and stuff. But I really want to say that people are suffering there. Like the money they earn compared to whatever they have to pay there it's not okay and also there's no you have to be really lucky to have a light there you know like it's not it's not this bad but um, for example a standard working time is eight hours but um it's really common that you work more than that most of the companies they follow this law But they always find like a little stuff, you know, for example, you work from Monday to Friday. Okay, sometimes they ask you to work on Saturday. Um, The law says that if they ask you to work on Saturday, if they come for one hour, you have to pay at least half a day because you basically ruined their Saturday already. Right. But this, for example, this one, nobody really follows. And I think there's a really not okay system in Taiwan now is like outsourcing the manpower. It's like big companies Mm -hmm. or especially government, they also do that. Like they don't hire 
people by themselves, so they don't have to take care of you know all the social welfares and pension and stuff. They hire these people on a one-year contract basis, and you know, so、mm-hmm. if anything happen, they just don't extend the contract with you, and you can't say anything. You can't do anything because. They are technically not your employer. The agent or the human, how do you say, human power, blah, is your employer. So it's a system that you might earn just enough money that you need to survive now.、Mm. But when you're old or something, you're like, I can't, I can't imagine. Like, this always makes me feel really emotional. And also, for example. Before we start recording, we were talking about I have thirty days of annual leaves, and my best friend who works in Netherlands says that it's super easy that in Netherlands you get forty days, and you say in the U.S. it's like ten days when you start your job, not two weeks when you start your job. But in Taiwan, I think I don't know if the law changed, but I think you start with three days half the first half a year, <laughs> and when you finish the first year, you get seven or ten days or something. But this is still just a number because it's not like you can take leaves whenever you want. It's not like you can take that ten days at once to have a two weeks holiday whenever you want. For a lot of people. Having a two week vacation is like once in a lifetime thing. When you get married, then you have like two weeks off from the government. Yeah,、mm-hmm. so um, I think it's quite emotional every time I talk about this, and I can also tell you that when I was in Taiwan, I worked for like a European country, like half government institution or something, because you know I have a German language and culture diplo- degree. So it's not like it's not like I'm an engineer or whatever like has li- these really solid skills. So my parents always joke about like, yeah, that's like the best job you probably can get in Taiwan because um, well, and you're lucky that you speak English. <laughs> But back then, they really pays better than other Taiwanese company, and I also get more leaves than other friends of mine who works for Taiwanese company. But、um, I normally work from nine or like ten until nine or ten or even later,、mm, because they basically put too much stuff on me, and they gave me a two year contract, and they always use a indefinite contract to motivate me to work harder, but.、Um, mm. And never like they always have new excuse like we don't have money blah and then there was COVID so they have the best excuse ever that I knew that I was not getting that indefinite country anymore so it's just like they um renew the two years two years every every time and then I work from Monday to Friday twelve hours blah a, a day. And on weekends, so my company was holding some events on weekend, Saturday and Sunday, and that normally starts from eight thirty, and the people who work there arrive at the venue at seven. So on weekends, I have like how do you say work phone that if there's any problem they call me. So there's always a problem. So I never sleep later than seven <laughs> on weekends. <laughs> And I, 
every time I take leaves, I have my laptop or iPad with me. And I remember that I was traveling in Vietnam with my ex-boyfriend. Oh, uh, no. In the airport, I was working. When he was in the pool in the hotel, I was working next to the pool. When we were on the fucking cruise in Halong Bay, I was working on a cruise and there's barely Wi-Fi. Like, it was... Uh, so uh, that's that's really um the reason that I know mm. I didn't want to do this for my whole life. That's why I, w I decided to apply for the master program in Germany because I know that I can't get like a better job in Taiwan probably and I don't think the working environment there is any is going to be mm. any better so I'm just trying to get out of there and I think I'm really lucky <laughs> to have gotten out. So do you feel that you have more job opportunities here in Berlin? Ah, uh, no, not at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> well um, uh, that was a very um, strategy I have when I was applying for my master program because I know that with my, you know, cultural language degree, um, it's not a very popular interview candidate mm -hmm. so so I applied for this international business management which sounds super fancy and also because maybe we should explain here that in Germany if you get a job as a foreigner um, they will like when you're applying for the work permit they kind of check if what you do is aligned with what you study because that's the reason that they want to keep you right mm -hmm. So um, when I was applying for, like, I also thought of, because I really like, um, you know, fashion, and I also like, really like aircraft. So I also thought about airport management, event management, or fashion management. But um, after consideration, I think that's just a bit too niche. And I don't know if, I, I mean, I speak German but not, like, perfect. So I don't know if you don't speak perfect German, if it's easier or if it's possible to get a job in this field. So I just apply for these super general international business management. So I thought, I think like back then I thought, and I think that's also true that it will be easier when applying for a job because basically every job, if like there's something to do with what you studied. But uh, answering your question, does coming to Germany, uh, like, is it easier to find a job in Germany? Um, I, I don't think so. I think especially this year, I think, well, I have to say, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if I can speak from like a, like a Chinese community perspective or something. Um, I think that I or we tend to be more not confident when it comes to applying for a job. So you know, like, I won't say I know something or I am really good at something unless I think I'm really, really good. But I feel like it's not the same thing here, that here people just like, well, if I watch a YouTube video about accounting, then I, I say I know accounting mm. on my CV. So I, see, yeah. I don't, I don't, like, I, I can't really say if it's easier or not. I just feel like that we have this disadvantage when looking for a job here, like as a Asian or Chinese or Taiwanese, like in um, uh, the Western world, I would say. Because mm -hmm. you don't have that same level of, oh, well, I can just fake it until I make it. 
you're a little yeah. bit more like, no, but I have skills. And if my skills don't fit this job, then like, why would I, I can't bother? Apply. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. So obviously you're still here. You're trying to stay here. Do you feel like the work-life balance or like the promise of the work-life balance in Germany is worth struggling to try to find a permanent contract here? Yes, I would say yes. Um, I would say, yeah, like, you, you know, you hear me complain like all over about like from dating to food, uh, which I haven't started yet. Oh, weather <laughs> and blah. Like, and I'm still here. Like, I have to say that there's a lot of shit going on in this city. And sometimes you're really like, fuck this shit. Like, I... I want to go home just like I when I'm home you know like you stay with your parents you don't pay rent like I go to rest I'm like yes I'm very spoiled but I go to a restaurant <laughs> with my parents and they pay and I even order an extra fried rice to bring to work the next day for lunch <laughs> you know? like, and why I'm here paying for my Brita filter or <laughs> radio packs that i even don't i don't even have a radio whatever like oh wait you should explain the radio tax please talk about the radio tax (laughs) okay yeah so sometimes it's just i really have to say that well if we can talk about this later or something that there's also really like a lot of really cool thing going on like sometimes you really feel like wow it's super cool that i get to live here Mm mm-hmm Are we starting the radio text or are we finishing the work part or did I answer your question? I think you answered my question. Okay, then we're starting. (laughs) Yeah, so so talk about the radio tax because this is something that I found out about several months into living in Germany when I found out that I had not been paying it because I didn't know that it existed and I got a big bill all at once. Me too. Um, I like I think nobody ever told me about this which is also really weird because I'm like a how do you say research freak like I really like to read about every like super random stuff but nobody told me about radio text until I get this letter and I was very confused and I was googling it and apparently this is like a fee that everyone in Germany has to pay and they charge per household right so no matter you have your own apartment or there's like 13 people squeezing in your apartment um, you pay as a household so you share with everyone in the house well so I got this bill and I was very confused I googled it and I was like there should be a way because I'm you know I was a student I was so broke I was like I was young <laughs> like there there should be a there must be a way that um I don't have to pay this or I get a discount uh-huh. because I felt like 18 euros per month is insane 18 I think it's still 18 I guess it's still 18 but I just moved to my new place and I haven't got a bill and I'm a bit freak out so I asked my flatmate where back then we have like a I, I stayed in a four bedroom apartment back then Mm-hmm. And but because of, I think some arrangement problem at that time there was only me and the other flatmate there. So this guy has stayed in the same house for three years. So I asked him like, "Hey, are you paying?" Because normally what you do like if you were the newest one in the apartment, you get this bill, 
and you ask people like you ask your flatmates who is paying, and he or she, uh, whoever is paying, will get like a serial number. It's like your license number,、mm-hmm. and if anyone in your household is paying already. You can just insert this person's license number and be like, "Hey, we stayed together, so this house is paid already." And then you just transfer he or she like the money by month or whatever.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so I asked my flatmate like, "Hey, are you paying? Can I share with you?" And he was like, "No, I refuse to pay for that." I was like, "Oh my、huh? god, is it is it okay not to pay?" And he was like, "Well, he stayed there for three years. The first year, he also got the bill, and he well, he's a." Engineer, so I assume, like in my perspective, engineers are richer, at least than at richer than me. <laughs> so he was like, "Yeah, I just transferred them the whole um year of um radio tax, and they just never send him a bill again." And he, he was like, "Okay, if you guys are not sending me, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to remind you that I'm not paying." So he refused to pay, and he never paid after that first year. And I was the only one, like besides him, in that house. So I had to pay for myself, like for I guess three months or something. And it was like eighteen euros per month. That was a lot when you're a student.、Um, and and for context, the radio tax. It doesn't matter if you own. It's like for radios and TVs, right? But it doesn't matter、yeah. if you own a radio or a TV because the tax is for. Public programming, yeah. So like public broadcasts. So it's like the it's a tax so that they can provide that information, but it doesn't even matter. Like you can have you can not be taking advantage of it, but you will still get charged for it. I think I was reading something that well because back then they actually check your house if you have TV or not, and people hide the TV in the closet and shit. So. <laughs> Now they're just like okay, we decide to charge and everyone. And the funny thing is that I was reading how can you get a discount <laughs> for radio tax, and apparently you have to be both、uh, because why they're charging everyone no matter you have radio or not because they think that you can maybe go to friends' house on the train, whatever in public, <laughs> like you know. Passively getting their resource or information from.、Uh-huh. So I was googling how to get the discount of radio tax, and apparently you have to be both blind and deaf, <laughs> that you don't have to pay. If you are either blind or deaf, you still have to pay like half because you like you you can't <laughs> see, you can listen. Oh my god! Seriously, I'm not a hundred percent sure that source is like liable, but I've read about this. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna look into it later. <laughs> Please let me know if it's really true or not. But I I, I was reading about this and I was like, holy shit! So I did fact check Vanny on this. Der Rundfunkbeitrag, which translates to the broadcasting fee. Currently costs eighteen euros and thirty six cents per household per month. You can apply for an exemption, but their official website isn't entirely clear on who qualifies. People with quote severe disabilities can reduce their payment to one third, and quote persons suffering from severe physical limitations such as deafblind people or those who receive blind aid can apply for a full exemption. But you can also apply for one if you receive certain social security benefits, like welfare or state-supported financial aid for students. <laughs>、yeah. 
Yeah. So, oh, and I remember that、um, I think I was with you, and we were in Charles and Anne's house, and because Anne is German, right? Yeah. So I was like, I asked you, and you don't, you wasn't really sure. You weren't really sure, so、um, you were like, "Yeah, just ask Anne," and she's like, "Don't mess with these people. Just <laughs> pay. Like they will find you, and they will <laughs> find you. And don't mess with them. Just pay. Like you will never. Like they will find you." And I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah. Like that. That's the moment you realize, like." Don't mess with these people. I remember this, and I remember just being like so shocked and being like, "Oh my god, I guess <laughs> this is really serious, and I should be paying that radio tax." And they, I remember that she said something like, "So I remember that in Facebook group, whenever people ask about how to change your address for the radio tax, there's always someone down there answering, replying with like, 'You know, you really don't have to because radio tax and finance aren't, which is like the finance department. They know where you are. Like, <laughs> they know. <laughs> they, they never know fail、live. to.'" They not never fail to send you a bill like the other stuff that you are paying for, like、um, health insurance and stuff. There's a lot of chance that they will like lost your letters, lost your insurance card, whatever. But、um, for the、um, finance arm and your radio tax bill, they always find you. <laughs> All right, lesson learned: don't fuck around with the radio tax. No, never. <laughs> Shall we move on? Did you want to talk about German food? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, we really should have done this like a week ago because、um, before that, like I don't get German food. But last week I went to Munich. My boyfriend took me to a really, really nice like Bavarian food because when he mentioned Bavarian food, I wasn't really passionate. I was、mm-hmm. like, no, I have tried them, and I'm not very, like you know, in need to try them again. You're like, oh, schnitzel and sauerkraut, whatever. I get yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah,、on. like wow, cool, like German version <laughs> of mac and cheese, great. Or, but、um, that one was really good. But still, I have oh, to spätzle? say, oh,、um, spätzle, Käsespätzle, Käsespätzle, so so good. But、um, so、I think、good. it also depends on. <laughs> I think it also really depends on the restaurant that you are going. Like、mm-hmm. here,、um, I'm just telling everyone who like is listening, don't ever go to Hofbräuhaus again. <laughs> like it's it's not that good. <laughs> to to <laughs> just where? Just go take some picture. Hofbräuhaus, like you know the、um, oh oh yeah, the HB HB beer garden. Yeah, I remember that place. Because every time I try Bavarian food, is mostly there, and、mm. I think that's one of the reasons I don't like Bavarian food. So, yeah. <laughs>、mm-hmm. But um, yeah, German food. Yes. Uh, one of the biggest part that I don't get is well, it's so cold here. Why do you guys always eat cold bread? Like why? <laughs> like it's it's really cold. I mean, in Asia it's so warm, but we love soup and you know. Like everything has to be warm. Like even breakfast has to be warm. Uh huh. And best with soup. And Germans will just eat like cold bread with cold cheese on it, and be like, "Oh, this is lunch." 
sometimes even without cold ham, you know, just cold bread, cold cheese, and then. <laughs> like I, I really, I think I'm really grateful that at least I'm in Berlin. So like of all the stuff that I'm complaining. There's some good food like non German food that you will find here, but yeah, and I wouldn't say that Germans are very good at food. <laughs> you know, like yeah. What do you mean by that? Like um, you know, there's not not a lot of variation. Is that how you say? It? Like not very. Not a lot of variation. Variation, exactly. Not like there's not a lot of variation because. So it's always. Schweinhaxe, which is like the, pig knuckle. Yeah. Then there's like the endless collection of sausage, the hun one hundred different. Forms of dairy, so from milk to yogurt to <laughs> quark to sour cream to, you know, cream fresh to heavy cream blah. It's so much dairy. It's like yeah, you know, it's a whole section in the supermarket. Like, do you not have a whole dairy section at the supermarket back in Taiwan? Mm, not really, because cheese is not a very. It's not the thing that we eat, every day. You know, not、mm-hmm. not like that common as it is here, and normally we just have, milk, low fat milk, yogurt. That's oh、mm-hmm. yeah. It's not like a、mm, and here like I never know what the hell quark is like. Oh yeah. Yeah, because people, nobody can really explain that. People are just like, well, it's something between yoga and cheese. Well, you have yoga and you have cheese. Why do you need quark? <laughs> It was explained to me as being between like yogurt and cottage cheese, which I'm not、uh, a fan of cottage cheese.、Uh, <laughs> but I don't mind quark. But they're so into it. They're like. Oh well, you know it has so much more protein than yogurt, and it's like, calm down. You're not gonna die. All you eat is sausage. You're good on the protein. Exactly, and it's um, yeah. I re- I don't really get quark. I have to say, yeah, I don't get the purpose of having like from liquidy to solid, like milk, low fat milk <laughs> to parmesan. Like, why do you have to have like hundred fifty different products in between? <laughs> Like that doesn't make sense, like supply chain wise. I think. <laughs> oh really? You're gonna take the supply chain route? That's your defense. <laughs> like maybe that's why I decide to not go to the, the the supply chain path because, like, judging by the the hundred hundred fifty um different kinds of dairy product, I I know it will be a mess. <laughs> What was I going to tell you as well、mm, about food? Ah, the spicy part.、Uh, yes. You mean the lack of the spicy part? <laughs> you mean the no spicy part? <laughs> no spicy part. I mean,、mm, yes. I really have to say, as an Asian, their spicy tolerance is pathetic. <laughs> like. It's really sad. Like you don't find any good spicy food here. Like 
no <laughs> like nothing so i am really good at eating spicy food and love them mm. and the first time that my boyfriend took me to a very famous chinese restaurant in berlin and he was really nice he was like yeah let's pick an appetizer together you can pick whatever you like just show me like your favorite so i ordered this tofu salad which in my defense i did not even notice that it was spicy and that was like our third date or something and i almost killed him <laughs> like, he was he was all red and he like finished his like half liter beer in like five minutes which normally he only has one beer per day and that night he like he instantly ordered the second one before all the dishes are served <laughs> and that's when i realized that okay um yeah this is oh yeah this is the cultural shock um answering your you know eight questions previous. <laughs> <laughs> like culture shock can't order spicy food yeah don't even Basically, just don't go to Chinese restaurant together because you don't even <laughs> notice that it's spicy and they, you know, <laughs> almost Yeah, died. don't take him. Take me. Take me <laughs> out. I can do the spicy. Um, you, you were really good, I think. Um, I remember that you were really good at my hot pot thing. But um, yes, they... But I'm really glad... That I have to say once again that um, at least we're in Berlin because there's enough Asian population here at least to support this new level of spicy called Asian spicy. Like in the restaurant normally they have no spicy and spicy and the spicy as I said is never enough. So now some of the Asian restaurant has this new level called Asian spicy. Do they <laughs> call it... Where- how is it notated? Asian spicy. They call it Asian spicy? Sorry? Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I do that when I go out. If I go out to certain restaurants in New York, if it's like an Indian restaurant or a Thai or Vietnamese and mm-hmm. they ask how spicy I want it, I kind of look at them and I'm like, if I say spicy, how is that? Good? I'm like, you, you take a look at me and you judge what you think I can handle. <laughs> it was like, I can handle a lot, but I don't know if I can handle what you can handle. So just <laughs> give me a, give me a reasonable benchmark. I I felt like the level of spicy is also like a very vague thing. Like you cannot describe like, yeah, I'm good at spicy, but my boyfriend also told me that he eats spicy food when we meet but i really also have to say that did he mean ginger <laughs> no <laughs> that's, he's, the, that's he's, the joke uh, about germans right that they're like oh like ingvar das ist sehr scharf. That's, that's, <laughs> that's is sehr scharf. and also the paprika powder for them they're always like that that's very spicy oh yeah everything is paprika flavored in germany for reasons i don't quite understand i really don't get it and it's not it doesn't taste like paprika it's just yeah it doesn't well it's it's I also realized I was so confused by this because I went to a German grocery store I mean I had like a year-long hunt of trying to find just any kind of spicy pepper I couldn't even find a jalapeno I had to like go to specialty stores to find anything yeah you have to go to a latino store or something yeah and then it's like I'm paying like five euros for a jalapeno because it's like the specialty (laughs) shops but I realized that 
paprika is also what Germans call bell peppers. And mm-hmm. so when they're referring to paprika as a spice, I have no idea what it's actually supposed to be because what they call paprika is not what we call paprika. Yeah, I'm also very confused. And I actually think that the paprika powder doesn't have a taste. Like, it should be spicy, but it's not for me, at least. So it doesn't really have... It's just some red MSG powder, I would say. You know, I would not be surprised by that. I think that's probably <laughs> what it is. It's, like, a little bit sweet. Huh. Like, maybe it's it's got, like, the idea. It's like if someone, like, whispered smoky into the bag. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's smoky more than paprika, right? Like, because I can't really describe the taste of the paprika um, chips mm-hmm. because they're not paprika they're, and they're not spicy they're just a little s- smoky sweet yeah you're right I think for everyone who is dating German a German guy or girl the tolerance of spiciness can be trained <laughs> <laughs> my boyfriend is now very well trained like not as much as Asian spicy but um, if we want to order something spicy he can handle it and also when um yeah and when we when we were in um uh back in taiwan last uh, end of last year uh my parents took him to a hot pot which he said it's was the most spicy stuff he has ever eaten in his life but still he finished it and he uh asked to go the second time (laughs) Oh my god. So this Look can at you. be trained. <laughs> it can also be untrained. I felt like after a year in Germany, I lost my spice tolerance. I came home I, and I was like, true. what happened to me? I used to be a champ. That's true. <laughs> like now I was home for a month and we went to like the usual hot pot. I'm like, this is a bit spicy. They're like, no, <laughs> it's not. Well, that's exactly, like, their reaction to me was exactly when I'm here, like, having food with some German friend, and they're like, this is so spicy. I'm like, "Um, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) So somehow I'm also a bit Germanized or Berlinized. Ooh. Mm. Okay, so we've been going for a while. Mm -hmm. Um. We should probably start rapping. What mm-hmm. do you want to leave us on? Do you have any expat horror stories to share? Oh, that's really quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> like, I think I'm also, you know, the unlucky kind of people. Or, um, I don't know, maybe you can attach a photo of me and your podcast that people said that I look too nice that you know like i have this nice cute asian you do you look like someone who gets stopped on the street a lot you look like (laughs) you look approachable which like should be a good thing but if you're a woman it's not always a good thing because you're like can everyone please just like leave me the fuck alone especially here and i feel like um it's a bit annoying sometimes and um you know recently i was telling friends about this and one of them has like two piercing um one on eyebrow and one on the nose and she's like just get some piercing on your face and nobody will ever fuck with you (laughs) and i mean 
I guess it worked, no? But、uh, my boyfriend is really against this, so so for now I'm going to respect him on this.、Um, but we will see how much more. <laughs> but if one more person fucks with you,、yeah. it's straight、I、to a nose piercing. I will just get that, <laughs> get that eyebrow piercing done. And wait, what was the question again? <laughs> Ah, the horror story. Yes, so I have a really tendency of meeting really shitty landlords. Um,、ah. I don't know if that's my problem or it's just basically all the landlords are assholes. <laughs> but well, this is my third house, and so far so good. Nothing I want to complain about. But my first house, um,、uh, my landlord only does half a year contract with you, so. Every time he's unhappy with someone, he doesn't extend the contract with you. So, well, that's okay, right? Because I am, like, I don't like to mind other people's business. I stay in my room or go to school or go to work. So, I don't think I'll cause any trouble in that house. So I wasn't really worried until like one of my flatmates, uh, she moved out, but her contract still has like I don't know three months left or something. So she asked the landlord if she can sublet, and the landlord is really good at replying your email but ignoring your questions. So he was <laughs> like, "I'm glad you find your new place. Blah. Wish you all the best." Um, did not say yes or no about the subletting, which means no, no. And、uh, but she got a student dorm, so anyway, she will move there, and she just illegally subletted to someone else. <laughs> and, As everyone、uh, in Berlin does. Yeah, <laughs> we we will have to talk about the house maybe next time. <laughs> so she subletted her room. She told me and the other guy, the guy that who has lived there for three years, and we were like, she was like, yeah, I'm going to sublet the room, blah. And she found someone, and we were like, "Cool, it was nice to stay with you," or just basically what we, I mean. We didn't even say that much. I think I I think we only what we said is like, "Cool," like oh my god, okay, like your your stuff. And then、uh, that guy, like the sublet guy, moved in. Oh, good. Like I don't see him that much. He's also not home that much. But I think one day the mom of the landlord illegally opened our house door with her own key, and entered the house for who knows why. So she saw this guy, and she found out that he subletted the room. So on the same day that guy was kicked out. I really don't know where he went, and I feel really bad for him. But then later on, I start to feel even worse for myself because the landlord he didn't call me, but he called that guy, my flatmate who stayed there the longest, and he said that this girl who subletted her room told the landlord that we both agreed, like Hudson、oh, and I、God. agreed that she sublet the house, and we were like, no, like. We did not agree on anything. You told us about it, and it's not our business. And apparently, the landlord was so pissed, he thinks that there's something going on behind him, and we didn't tell him. So he threatened that he will not extend our contract, and he was like, "I'm very disappointed with you both." Blah. Disappointed.、Like, Fuck you. I I I pay you. <laughs> To rent a room from you, like you did not pay me to run this house, or you know, like 
to provide you information and stuff. I'm just minding my own business, and now I'm in trouble. Well, wow. then, well, but back then he was just threatening, and then he sent me an email like, "Yeah, I always really like you because you are really nice. You never cause drama and blah." And I was just asking him like, "Hey, um, is it because?" That was also about the time that I renew my contract, and I was like, "Hey, um, I saw on the website that I originally booked this room that the price has been raised. Is it okay that it stay the same price for a little while? Because I only I'm I was only here for half a year, and I really like this place. And as you say, I never cause any trouble." And he was like, "Yeah, for sure. Like, I really like you, and you're one of my oldest tenant, which was what, one year." And what? um, <laughs> and then he was like, "I think he was just like trying to be nice." And he was like, "Yeah, I won't raise the price. You have the old contract, like no problem." I was like, "Okay, good." Then I was super relieved. And then I um, like, please remember this. He will not raise the price. And then um, there was one day that we went to the school trip. Like my university arranged like a visiting, like some corporate visiting in Hamburg. So I literally lived the house for one and a half day, basically. It wasn't even two full days. I I left the first day, like Saturday, I guess, like around midday, and I was home on Sunday, around ten p.m. So I entered my room and saw that there's like a huge spider web on my window, and I was like, wow, um. Oh, that was fast! Like it's a very hardworking spider, no? Because it was only like not even two days. I was like, "Wow, that was fast!" And then I was going to clean it, and I walk a little closer and realize there wasn't a spider web. It was like somebody broke my window from outside. Uh, because I live on like the ground floor, so apparently that person didn't really break in. It. It's more like a teenager's prank, like they just found a like stone or something, and then throw it to my window, and they didn't break in. The window wasn't really like broken, so it's just only the spider web.、Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I was never like a very hardcore person, so I was like f- really freaking out. Apart, of course, it's because someone tried to break my window to get in or not doesn't matter.、Mm-hmm. Uh, another huge part is that everything in Germany is fucking pricey. I don't know if I have to pay for that window. How much is going to cost me? <laughs> so、um, yeah, I was freaking out.、Um, I just、uh, told friends about this, and they were like, "Just call the police instantly. At least you get a report that if like you have to pay for the." A glass or something, maybe the insurance or something can help a bit. So I called the pol. So like, yes, I was crying, like because, like for me it was quite scary, and also this city is not famous with you know friendly or stuff, right? So I was really freaking out. So I cried a bit. Also, I was really really worried that I will have to pay for that glass. So like I cried a bit. When calling friends, and then I stop crying and call the police. But I guess in the voice you still can tell that I was crying, and the police doesn't even bother to speak English. So I try to explain everything in German. So she listened to the whole situation, and she was like, "Well, so your window is broken. Is that so bad that you have to cry?" <laughs> And I was like, 
like, oh my God. Hey? and I was like, wait, but my window's broken. And well, I don't feel really safe now. And she was like, so what do you want us to do then? And I was like, um, is it possible that you send someone here so I can get a report or something? And she was like, well, so somebody threw a stone like on your window. And I was like, yes. And she was like, yes, so it's a stone. And what you just say, you said rock, which is a rock. And nobody throws a rock to other people's window. I was like, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> and wow. then she was like, yeah. Talk about... <laughs> Talk and she was about like, yeah. getting lost <laughs> in the details. It's really crazy. And she was like, well, oh, she literally, quote, we are really busy. This is not a thing that we will send anyone to your house. Well, if you want to report, you can just go on the website and report there. Yeah, because also the report form has an English version. Probably you will understand more. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Like, wow. wow, the sass. I was speechless, really. And yeah. I can't believe you got so, bullied by the cops. Yeah, I mean, well, you also, like, you know, I think that's one of the things I don't like about here. It's that you really can't depend on anyone. Like, the police, the doctors, the authority. You just feel like they don't want you to be here, you know? Yeah. Sometimes they really give you this feeling. So, yeah. And, um, well, luckily, it wasn't my problem. I guess my landlord also knows about it. So uh, his insurance eventually paid for that glass. But it took, I think, one and a half months because the first time we waited for two weeks for someone to actually come here and check. And before he came and checked, my landlord asked me to measure the window and give him the size already. That guy just came after two weeks and measured the window and left. (laughs) (laughs) And then come back in another four weeks to finally replace the window. Wow. Uh, (laughs) (coughs) So, and then, yeah, and like, but that's not why I decided to move out. Um, The reason that I decided to move out is because I think like, I won't say 99%, I will just say every landlord in Berlin took advantage of the Ukrainian war and raise the price i mean it doesn't really affect them i have to say well maybe they have to pay more for their groceries but so are we but they just decide to use this and say well everything is getting so expensive now so why not also raise your rent and my and you know in germany uh, there's a law like i think Every three years, the landlords are not allowed to raise the rent for more than 15% or something. I'm not super sure about the exact number. But I'm pretty sure my landlord also knows about it. So he sent us an email and be like, You are all my beloved tenant. And I really like all of you and enjoy your time in my house. And I... Please believe that the last thing I want is to raise your rent. But since the Ukrainian war, everything is getting so expensive. And But by the way, we're paying for our own electricity. Oh, so they're not even covering the cost of the electricity and they're still like, oh, well, it's the war, so... Yes, that's why I don't understand. 
So he was like, I beg your understanding that I like. He was like, I promise all of you that I won't raise your rent, but now I'm begging for your understanding that I have to ask for a surcharge of one hundred euro per person per month. So he basically raised the rent for like twenty five percent or something, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to raise your rent. I'm just going to ask for、oh. your understanding for a surcharge." That so that's such when、bullshit. I was like, "Fuck this place!" Yeah, that was total bullshit. But from what I know, I'm not the only person. I'm I'm basically like like everyone else, like experienced something like that. <laughs> This has been the sixth and final episode of my Expat Horror Stories Berlin series. I hope that these episodes have given you both some practical information about life in Germany, as well as some insight into the minds of people who have chosen to live their lives, whether temporarily or permanently, whether by choice or by circumstance, outside the physical, linguistic, and social borders of where they grew up. I really wanted to show both the challenges and the triumphs of living abroad. And how different people will react to a new country in completely different ways, depending on where they come from, what they value, and the kind of lifestyle they lead. I feel like finding a place to live is a little like dating. Maybe you end up with your childhood sweetheart. Maybe you experience love at first sight. Or maybe you have to try a few different things before you find what works for you. But it's never one size fits all. And you inevitably develop a relationship with each place that you live, that shapes you and teaches you more about what you need and what you want from life. For most people, moving to a new country isn't a privilege; it's a necessity. But if you do have the chance to try it, and I'm not talking about a semester in Barcelona or a summer home in Tulum, if you have the chance to really build a life somewhere far away. It will change you in ways that are, in turns, uncomfortable, funny, embarrassing, drastic, and ultimately incredible. The Expat Horror Stories podcast is produced and hosted by Kat Rickman. Our music was composed by Ben Batchelder, and our cover art was designed by Blue Rickman. If you would like to share your own expat horror stories or have ideas for where I should talk about next. You can reach out to me on Instagram at expathorrorstories or email me at catrickman at gmail dot com. That's C A T R I C K M A N at gmail dot com. <laughs>